Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening along to some quality Vixo thought leadership as we explore various trends, technologies, and strategies for facilities management. As we continue our conversation today and get into the nitty gritty of our topic, I want to make sure that you're getting all the Vixo content you need. So make sure that you're heading to our website, Vixo.com, again, V-I-X-X. O.com for more information on some of the things you'll hear about today, as well as more Vixo content, including podcasts, videos, articles, blogs, and more. And you can also subscribe to Get Your Fix on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're really getting specific on value. Sounds simple enough, right? At Vixo, we are acutely aware of the need to communicate, but also to live up to in broader strategies, but also day-to-day interactions, live up to the value that we hold to high esteem. When you're working with a third-party facilities partner, especially when you're working with them at scale across various locations, knowing all the big and the small ways that bringing a separate operation into yours provides value is obviously critical to maintaining a healthy B2B relationship and making sure that you're maximizing that relationship as a client and that Vixo can do the most for you as a client as well. So with our podcast, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of Vixo value propositions, explaining just how we aim to live up to these value promises. So here to break down Vixo's strategy are our two thought leaders. We're joined by Nikki Boone, Vice President of Customer Success at Vixo, and Brian Hartnett, SVP of Service Center Operations with Vixo. Nikki, Brian, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Very well. Thank you, Daniel. Great. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, real pleasure getting to chat with both of you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts here. We've got a lot to break down. We're going to, you know, just for a little teaser for our audience, we're going to get into real uh, granular specifics on Vixo's uh, specific value propositions from cost transparency to data, actionable insights, flexibility, scalability, all that good stuff. Uh, But before we do that, um, I want to just set the stage a little bit for how Vixo approaches this strategy, the sort of mindset that the company and its professionals like both of you have as you approach this. I think that'll set the stage and help better communicate to our audience, uh, you know, how Vixo really manages this strategy. So uh, how is the need to communicate clear value to your clients often amplified by the industries that they're in? and the service that you're supposed to provide. Uh, Is that need to communicate clear value uh, larger, greater? Does it have any sort of um, extra factors that communicate importance there? Yeah, absolutely. And I can jump in there, Brian. I think that when you look at our model, which, you know, is heavily reliant on a service provider network, one that is very extensive and uh, national in depth and coverage, Uh, It often begs the question from a customer, you know, what intrinsic value is Vixo bringing to that equation? So our ability to clearly communicate to these uh, these businesses and really irrespective of the industry, it's more about the model, right? So it's important that we can show them how we can bring that um, that transparency that in in their cost savings and in their spend, as well as really that scalability and flexibility to ensure that we can meet their needs pretty much anytime, anywhere. So I I actually believe it's more important for us to be able to communicate the value in a more traditional model where perhaps the business would go directly to the service provider. Uh, The other thing that we bring to the equation, of course, is being able to manage that network on the customer's behalf. And that's certainly a really important part of value that that Vixta would bring to the table. I think too, Daniel, you know, to compliment what Nikki's saying, I think we also bring, you know, that the, the experience within the vertical. So by the customer, we definitely bring to our, our customer and our partner that experience within, uh, the vertical they operate in. So be it grocery or convenience and gas stations, 
We also bring the knowledge of what challenges they experience or similar uh, people in those verticals experience. And we bring solutions that are time tested and actually have been implemented in other similar situations. So that helps to increase our value by introducing perhaps new ways of bringing service and uh, performance to the partnership. Expanding on that a little bit, uh, how does facilities management work specifically create some unexpected needs for operators that would land at the feet of a partner like Vixo? And then in turn, what kind of responsibility does that place on a partner like Vixo? Break down the dynamic of that relationship for us. Sure. So I think if you look at the businesses and the verticals that we service primarily, the overarching theme with the operators is how do they ensure that their revenue generating equipment stays up, right? Because if they don't have the equipment required to provide the service and the product that they provide, they don't make money. So from the operator perspective, it's get this up and running at all costs. And obviously, from a corporate perspective, the all costs part doesn't play quite as well. So what that, you know, the responsibility that then puts on Vixo is to ensure that we're balancing the immediate need of the operator to get their store or their restaurant back up and running with the, you know, perhaps budget controls and spend controls that uh, the corporate facilities teams have in place. So a little bit of a, a unique situation to be in. And I'm proud to say that we do a great job of balancing that. Yeah. And again, that's where our experience comes in as well, Daniel, where, you know, in, in Vicky and Nikki's uh, examples there, we'll, we'll partner with the customer too, to say, you know, we've come through a pretty challenging year. So how can we even prioritize repairs or, you know, make sure that we're fixing heating issues when the winter is coming and perhaps deferring uh, some spend items that may not be a high priority right now or working on air conditioning when we get ready for the spring summer startups as an example. So we're not necessarily tying up budget in repairs that may not be necessary right now. And we're helping them even to optimize their budget so they could consider even strategic capital expenditures so that they can avoid repairs by replacing aged and older equipment. And though we've helped many of our customers come through this last challenging 15 months with that approach. So obviously that responsibility that falls at Vixo's feet is a critical one. How do you work to maintain trust around that responsibility, both in you know very big and um, high level ways, but also in smaller, uh, more interpersonal ways and break down your strategy around maintaining that trust and where you place importance on that? Yeah, I mean, communication is the key and collaboration with the customer. So if you think about those competing needs, you know, you have the need to manage costs, but you also have the need to keep your revenue generating equipment up and running. So we have a lot of different ways that we can control that and that we can, you know, we can pull different levers to help manage to the changing business needs, whether it's, you know, spend reduction or they actually, in some cases, have budget to spend that they need to spend before the uh, facilities fiscal year ends. So it's putting guardrails and guidelines and standard operating procedures around um, how we dispatch when we dispatch, who who we are actually required to seek approval for on quotes that may um, exceed the not to exceed limits, and really just ensuring that the customer is part of building that entire process. And I think where the trust level, you know, at kind of the smaller the smaller plays comes in is again that communication. So if we have a team lead who's talking to a customer. Um, and, and, you know, saying, hey, we think in our opinion that this particular call based on our expertise really does not need to be dispatched tonight. We can take care of it in the morning and that'll save you some money. The customer is really going to start to trust, you know, our guidance and our opinion. So lots of small ways we can do it, but more broadly, it's in ensuring that they're a part of the process in terms of how we do it. Just in terms of the little things, you know, we, we conduct the right business reviews and provide the right transparent information. So we disclose where we are performance wise and, you know, we make commitments to our customers and, you know, we're, we're, we're fully disclosing and identifying areas where we can get better, where the program can improve. And we just demonstrate that we're accountable. And in the little things, you know, the constant communication with our program sponsors and our partners on the other side, help to understand, help them to understand how Vixel is approaching different scenarios and, you know, what, we, what we've what we done well 
what perhaps they could even do operationally to avoid future repairs. And we demonstrate that partnership. So it's it's not just a break-fix type relationship where we're saying, listen, if we can do some of these things together, if we could train your people how to, let's just say, do daily maintenance on auto doors so that the, when you enter, they're sweeping out the door so there's no sand or anything in there, that it helps avoid repair costs and repair visits and downtime and customer dissatisfaction with how do you get into the building so I can spend money there. So when we do all those little things, it really does help us to become trusted partners to them in the long run. I know a major challenge that companies face today is trying to manage their facilities expectations as well as cost at multiple levels within the organization. And this is mostly because of how varied the needs are at those various levels from senior leadership to low level management and really everyone in between. So I want to intersect that with our conversation. Can you provide some context on that management challenge? Why do we see this kind of challenge? And then give us a layer of how having a third party partner might step in to help. Sure. I mean, I, I think this is uh, a really interesting one because there's an emotional answer and also a more, right. you know, more uh, tactical answer, if you will. Sure. But uh, a lot of times, if you think about a scenario where, again, you have a store operator who is uh, trying to hit their targets, uh, they need customers in the door, and perhaps there is something that's preventing that, like an auto door being stuck. They're emotional. You know, they want to be able to get this fixed, get it fixed now and get their customers back in the door. The offset to that, of course, is, you know, is there a different way that we can solve this that is less expensive or more efficient, um, which helps to meet the needs of the the other target organization, target audiences and levels within the organization. So what Vixo does very well, and, and again, this is where the third party is really effective, is that we balance that. We calm the situation we understand what the real need is, we apply our expertise to provide resolution and suggestions and recommendations to the customer on the fix, that really strikes that right balance between cost and immediate needs. So uh, we can take a pretty neutral perspective and approach that's based in expertise versus necessarily a pure cost approach or a pure emotional response. And I think that really does help to manage the overall spend and expectations. Instead of what Nikki was saying, you know, we we basically earn our customers' trust. So one of the what we do is as we run our business, we we have constant conversations and updates and we leverage our our analytics group to be able to provide the right reporting on not only on spend but on insights as to, you know, where we're going. And as we show our and demonstrate our accountability and our you know our integrity, we often move into helping them to prepare their, their financial plans for the next year. So um, I think all of that uh, is earned over time, but we, we take that approach day one. So as we come out and we demonstrate, we'll show them, for example, what expected cost per call should be for certain lines of service or trades. And as we do that, and as our results come in and trend towards those results, they see that we know our business, we know their business, and then we can proceed to continue to I offer ways to improve uh, how repairs are, are done, how costs can be managed, and how we can pull certain levers to control what their spend looks like. But, you know, we have to be transparent, accountable, and it's earned over time. All right, Nikki, Brian, I think it's time to jump into the specific value propositions. So how we're going to structure this is I'm going to lay out a, uh, a specific again, value proposition that Vixo uh, holds dear to its strategy and that is um, a key part of what differentiates Vixo and how Vixo, uh, you know, basically provides value again. So what we're going to do is we're going to break those down and then I will provide some context and some specific areas within that that I think are worth expanding on and I'll let y'all both just kind of give your thoughts and maneuver uh how and why you execute on them in the way that you do. So without further ado, let's jump into this part of the podcast. So the first value proposition that I want to break down is the flexibility and the scalability. Again, flexibility and scalability 
of working with a third-party partner like Vixo. Uh, let's start by having you expand on uh, the depth of your supplier partner network. I know this is one that uh, is really one of the most important parts of how you're able to provide scalability and also flexibility. Give us a little more detail there and then break down Vixo's strategy to how you've structured that and why in that structure it provides so much flex and scale. Okay, so you know we have a, a pretty significant uh, service provider base, so they are the, the key to our business. And uh, we've we when we when we make a relationship with a, a new customer or a partner, you know what we do is we like to set up our coverage plan so that we're several layers deep within our coverage plan for that customer. And what's really a distinguishing mark for Vixo as well is that we know our partners very well in terms of what they're really good at and even perhaps even what vertical they may be able to be optimized in because, you know, frankly, there are some vendors that are really good in, in grocery stores and others that are better in gas and convenience situations. And it has to do with knowledge of the equipment and the types of uh, setups that are within our customers. And we're able to use our knowledge of our, of our service provider base to match them to our customers. And what we do is we often set up our coverage with at least uh, three, uh, three positions deep so that when we're, when we're working those calls in challenging times or when it's severely cold weather, we have more than one player because everyone's going to get busy when resources are stretched. So we're able to go out and reach out to people in first position, second position, and third. And then we often have people available in our bullpen to be able to answer the call regardless of time of day or night or conditions that our customers are experiencing. So that's a very big key uh, distinguisher, I think, of Vixo to the marketplace. What are some of the specific ways that you work to maintain those positive relationships within your partner network? Because since you have a partner network, it really adds another layer of uh, of relationships that you have to cultivate, and you have to you know make sure that those businesses, those professionals, are kept happy and you know kept excited about being part of that Vixo ecosystem. So, do you have any specific examples or strategies that you'd offer for how you maintain that side of uh, your B two B relationships? Pretty similar to you know our customer relationship. We want to make trusted relationships with our service providers. So, you know, a lot of that is based on making sure that they understand our expectations of them. And then we really work together to meet and have regular business reviews to talk about, you know, how is the program performing and how do they contribute to the success of our program? So in those business reviews, you know, we have some established criteria that we review with them. So just like our customer, we discuss uh, SLA performance and how they're doing. And we often premiere them to how they're doing within their geography. So they get to see how they measure up to their peer groups. And we have some pretty frank conversations there when we need to. But a lot of times we often have even conversations about what they may be doing in similar situations and how that may be some things, there may be some practices there that we wanna implement in our relationships to try to improve. And it's a constant, give and take with each other. So we're updating them as well with, here's some other opportunities that we may have on the horizon. And, you know, we ask them if they're interested and are they prepared to go with us into those new scenarios. And frankly, if if they're not performing, we also have those hard conversations that say, right now we may not be able to do much to be able to move, move you into some new scenarios unless you're doing X, Y, and Z. So, just a lot of real solid, honest communication, follow-up and reporting on how their performance is, is impacting our program with our customers. And, uh, you know, as you build that relationship, just like with customers, you build trust and we work forward to make each other better every day. All right. The next main value proposition of Vixos that I want to break down is cost transparency. Again, cost transparency. I feel like this is... Uh, a good segue off the last one because when you're dealing with so many moving pieces 
in facilities partnerships and facilities maintenance and oversight, as well as when you're dealing with multiple locations as a, a client of yours that you know might have a chain and said chain is in every state across the United States, right? Transparency of cost is going to matter a lot because those costs can rack up at scale. So can you break down some of your strategies for how you deliver the most cost transparency across the entire process from sort of the initial partnership and um, what that cost is up front to some of the maybe unforeseen costs that come in the minutia of facilities maintenance and anything in between? Yeah, definitely. I, I can jump in here. So I think from the very beginning of the sales process with a, a new prospect, we focus on total cost of ownership. And the reason we do that is that in facilities, there are two things that you want to ensure. The first is that we are able to respond effectively and quickly to changing dynamics within the customer's business. So that can be everything from, you know, perhaps uh, the facilities department has made commitments to the corporate organization to reduce spend, or perhaps um, they've been asked to actually increase spend to improve appearance and optimize, optimize their stores. So we need to make sure that the customer understands that what we're doing from the very beginning is looking at that total cost of ownership. Um, not just looking necessarily at uh, the individual service requests in an individual market um, to ensure that, you know, we're, we're meeting that particular budget. Um, it's also important for the customer to understand in that scenario where we are, you know, perhaps having to spend more money versus where we can offset that spend. So the example you use, Daniel, you know, is just different markets, different areas across the country. We know that labor rates are higher in certain parts of the country. The customers know that as well. So by being very focused again on that total cost of ownership, we can begin to you know, kind of balance that out across their overall spend. The other thing that's really important in facilities is that you're closest to the pin. We don't ever want to have an overspend a customer's budget, budget, but equally important, we don't want to underspend either. Because what happens when you underspend, particularly in the areas of preventative maintenance or capital replacements, you end up more than offsetting that spend in increased reactive costs. So back to that total cost of ownership concept with the customer. And I think that um, with our analytics and our insights and the things that we bring to the table, we can really achieve that correct balance for the customer and make sure that we're closest to the pin when it comes to their spend expectations and budgets. And I think we complement that too, as we, as we meet with them, you know, we also walk them through uh, things like the durations and what, what are root cause drivers for spend. So as we're walking through, we're able to say, listen, we're telling you transparently, this is what our rates are per hour. But here's the VIXO value on how we manage the duration of those calls and how it rolls up into an advantage when you're looking at total cost for a repair call. So we share that kind of an analysis with them all the time, including do we set the right priorities for the calls? So, you know, we don't want to be sending uh, emergency or critical type calls for things that normally have a, a reasonable repair window. So, you know, you may not uh, really realize that if you set too high of a priority, it drives your costs up by about 20%. So we use our experience and the, the service provider base that we have to bring assurance that we'll meet those SLAs while optimizing the cost per call. Yeah, Brian brings up a really good point there. You know, what we find, especially as we're talking to new customers, is that there's really a focus on that hourly rate. And, you know, obviously having a lower hourly rate does not do much for you if you in turn are billing an astronomical number of hours. So by showing you know, both the hourly rate and the expected duration, and then monitoring that and managing to that with our service providers, the customer really is getting the absolute, absolute best overall cost per call that they can get in that model. Do you find that clients can struggle with focusing on spend and cost goals as the main metrics to guide the cost transparency in this relationship? And if there are any roadblocks you often face, what are they and how does Vixo maneuver them in a way that's productive and proactive for all parties? 
So yes, <laughs> to answer your question, <laughs> I think that um, it, it's definitely an opportunity again, very early in the relationship to kind of explain the dynamics and multiple factors that go into the total cost of ownership and the total spend. Um, you know, we have a number of levers that we can pull uh, targeted toward cost savings that we can walk our customers through. And I think that, you know, we, our customers run the gamut, right? Some of them expect us to manage that holistically. And they expect us that if we begin to see a trend that's, you know, perhaps costs are going up, then they want us to be the ones to pull those levers to bring it back in line and, and adjust. In other scenarios, the customers, you know, want to be very much a part of that and have some control over that. And I think that a unique part of our value proposition is simply that we can adapt to both scenarios and everything in between. Um, some customers are very focused on maintaining service levels. Specifically, you know, they want to ensure that the service providers arrive on site when they say they're going to. That can sometimes translate to decreased service levels in time to complete and in first time fix, because in that scenario, perhaps the service provider is saying, look, I've been told this is important. I'm going to get there. Now I may get there and have not have the right parts. I may not have done any troubleshooting in advance, but I got there on time. So one of the things that we do for customers is really show them that offset and show them where they can get the most bang for their buck. And in many cases, it's more focused on that time to completion and first time fix, because in those scenarios, you're getting the problem fixed, you're getting it fixed um, once, and it's done and you move on. If you focus too much on the time to arrive service level, you sometimes have repeat trips, and that increases your costs. So to kind of tie that back to your original question, Daniel, what we find is there's a lot of education. And again, there's a lot of collaboration if the customer chooses to collaborate and wants to be a part of that process. But our model in, in managing that cost is equally effective if they just want to turn it wholly over to us and allow us to do that. And then even in the playbook, you know, Nikki, we see sometimes our customers as we take on new customers, you know, Vixo believes in the value of preventative maintenance programs and being proactive and doing some services to avoid repairs. And I think there we get into the conversations with some customers that, you know, as if we inherit relationships where they prefer to start with a highly reactive break fix program, you know, we work with them to try to uh, identify the values of being more proactive on, as we run the business. So even there, we're able to, over time, point out advantages. And I think sometimes we need to watch spend trends to be able to help convince them to move towards proactive. But fortunately, with our experience and our level of program, generally when they agree to sort of alter the direction of the program a bit, we're able to bring that value proposition that they expect out of VIXO. And we move the program in a slightly different direction, which helps to optimize our relationship and the results. Yeah. And, you know, Brian, we can do that even at a very, very granular level. So as an example, you know, it, we can show a customer the return on investment of implementing a preventative maintenance program versus doing everything reactively. But we can also show them even at a store level um, where they're perhaps spending more money than they should should be, and that there are certain actions that they can take that would reduce that reduce that cost. We call that our store outliers. So we will look at an, a store that may have repeat calls um, at, at very high costs. You know, really an anomaly on the uh, on the curve of spend, and do the root cause analysis, help the customer understand why this is happening, and then provide several several recommendations on how to address it so that we begin to reduce that spend and bring that store kind of back into the fold from an average cost per call perspective. So we can be very broad, we can be very granular and everything in between. All right, jumping over to our next specific value proposition that Vixo adds for the relationship it builds with its clients is, and this one is gonna sound kind of like a no brainer, but quality of work. Naturally, in any kind of B2B relationship, you want one where the services rendered are good ones and that there's a standard of high quality around those services. So instead of just sort of highlighting why Vixo cares about high quality, because I think that makes sense, let's uh, expand a little bit on how you measure and quantify and actually strategize around the quality of your work. So let's start there. How do you approach measuring 
your quality around actionable metrics? Are there any specific uh, areas that you look for to make sure, okay, yes, this service is working properly. We have to look at these data points and why. Uh, are there any technologies you use to make that easier for yourselves? Break down that dynamic for us. Okay, so we we definitely have introduced our new Vixel Link platform to our customers. And that platform really also leverages mobile technology with our our service provider technician. So we know when the service provider arrives on site and when they log out because we're able to use a geofencing, the geofencing capability of their mobile device to, to really tell us that they're on site. So we know the amount of time that, that where they are uh, when they're performing that service request. We manage the uh, the service providers to the SLAs that we talked about. So Nikki, you know, points out that, you know, the time to arrive, you know, we, we set criteria with our customers and those, those SLAs are really key to us, but we're really focused on delivering on time to complete and also first time fix. So that's to us, the highest satisfaction we get is when we achieve on all three metrics, but when our first time fix is, we typically run over 90% on our first time fix percentages. And that means the service provider got to the site, we prepared them with the right information for the type of repair that, that they may encounter or can expect when they get there. That service provider has the right technician on site, they have the right parts on their truck, and they're able to fix that service request in that first visit. So. Repeat visits are, are lower. We do not count temporary fixes in that so that when a service provider may be uh, showing up and they do something to get a, a piece of equipment running until there's a, a, an ultimate fix, we don't count that in that metric. So first time fix is very high and very important to us along with time to complete. So when a customer calls us, we have so many hours to get on site and then so many hours to fix uh, that situation. So those metrics are shown to our customers. On Vixel Link, we have a dashboard that demonstrates how we're performing with all of our open calls and all the calls that we've completed. They can see every day live how we're doing with every call that Vixel is managing. And that's how we really gain the trust and the confidence of our, of our customer that we're doing the job that they hired us to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, equally important is using those metrics internally. So the customer has the visibility to how we're doing at a service request level, and so do we. And we can also look at that against different lines of service. As an example, if we're looking at our metrics for plumbing or electrical, and we see that perhaps the uh, metrics are not as good as we would like there, either, you know, first time fix or time to complete, we can dig in much deeper within that line of service and see if it's something that's driving it and really do that root cause analysis and say, okay, you know, we have found that the quality isn't as high in this particular area. It's concentrated in one specific area in a particular metro region. And then we can begin to have conversations around, is that a service provider issue or challenge? Or is it perhaps um, we didn't provide the right communication or training, whatever it may be, and we can really hone in and target that and be surgical about how we fix it. And I think that's something that our customers appreciate because it is surgical, it's targeted, it shows that we have the depth of understanding and knowledge of our own business to be able to resolve any trends that uh, we might be seeing that don't drive to that, that quality standard. Speaking of standards, do you ever find any challenges in trying to set that standard across all departments internally, right? Making sure that it's clear and communicated and uh, there's that level of consistency. And if so, how has Vixo maneuvered any of those challenges to create consistency, again, across all of those departments? We do a good job when we establish our relationship with our, our new partners, our new customers, as to creating the expectation. So part of our implementation, we have a very detailed implementation process that helps us to really identify with the customer and set those expectations so that as we run the business, you know, it's clearly communicated and we're, we're fairly consistent across the business. I think as we mature our relationships, those expectations also mature and become much more consistent as we go through time. But, you know, within our own operation at Vixo, I think we've we've been together as a team for quite some time. Our people have been working with Vixo and have developed their careers 
for quite a while. So we've got a really nice blend of experience uh, in the facilities business. And we also have a nice blend of consistent, uh, consistently performing uh, across all of our verticals to our customers. So our teammates are scalable. They're able to fill in for each other when we have emergencies and uh, different challenges that may be out there. But overall, you know, we set the tone internally with our own team. Uh, our service providers are also consistently managed to have the same type of results within the same range. And then as we move forward with our customers, uh, you know, they've set the expectation for us when we began our relationship and we, we, we managed to uh, develop those over time in the relationship with them. So uh, overall, I think we clearly communicate uh, our expectations and deliver against them. Yeah, I think Brian really hit the key point there is that, you know, we really hold our departments, our own teams to the exact same metrics and we look at it exactly the same way as we present it to the customer. So the accountability is is holistic. And I think if you look at it from a customer perspective, you know, to Brian's point, we absolutely set the stage early in the process. We collaborate with them on how what they want to see, why it's important to them and what the targets are. But, you know, as you can imagine, like in any business, we often have changes within leadership, changes within uh, where the facilities organization reports. And so that that education and that uh, collaboration is not just a one-time thing. It's ongoing, it's continuous, and we're able to fairly readily adapt and shift because of, internally we are attempting to hit and do a good job of hitting every target, every metric. So if you have someone that comes in who now has a focus on time to arrive versus perhaps uh, time to complete, it's easy for us to shift and really you know, be able to, to hit all of the metrics across the board. So ongoing um, education, collaboration, and uh, resetting of targets, if you will, to ensure that the customer's needs are being met throughout the life cycle of the agreement. Another aspect of this that, um, you know, isn't everyone's favorite, but I think is important is sometimes there's going to be a customer complaint and there's going to be a customer issue. Uh, just, you know, the natural sort of uh, how the wind blows, right? And with that, there has to be both an analysis of what is the core issue here? How do we solve it? But then also, how do we make sure that that relationship is repaired if the customer actually feels like, hey, this didn't get met how I thought it would or something didn't get communicated here? And, you know, the customer is always right is kind of the mentality that uh, wins out often in uh, these broader and um, important relationships where someone like Fixo holds such responsibility in the relationship. So can you break down how Vixo approaches any customer complaints or customer issues? And what are sort of the analyses you try to give the situation to make sure that you get an accurate read of what needs to be fixed and how? Yeah. So Brian, I'll, I'll jump in there because I think what's most important is using what we just talked about to get in front of those complaints and those issues. So by ensuring that we are holding our teams accountable and we're looking at these service metrics internally, we can often identify trends and issues and challenges that we can get in front of and resolve before the customer's even aware. And I think that's a really important piece of it. Now, certainly we can provide visibility because that does really enhance our value proposition. Um, but getting in front of it is is really important. And then, you know, in the cases where we can't, which, you know, definitely does happen, again, it's ownership, it's accountability, it's clear communication with the customer. Um, we empower our frontline team members. I mean, they are the most important face to the customer uh, to take the action that they need to, uh, to resolve the complaints. And I think, you know, Daniel, to your other point, there is a balance, right? Because yes, the customer is always right. But by the same token, it's very important for us to be able to show them and provide to them the more um, measurable, quantifiable uh, impacts and metrics and we do, I believe we do a very good job here at Vixo of balancing that with also resolving the issue and ensuring that the customer feels that we have absolutely addressed any concerns that they might have. All right. The last main value proposition that I want to pose for discussion today is looking into data and actionable insights. And I guess more specifically, it would be extensive and holistic data that then uh, informs 
actionable insights. So uh, this one is one that extends beyond just uh, facilities partnerships, in my opinion. Data has become so critical as a point of value in any B2B relationship that it's really important that all parties understand what value is coming from the data that's being collected, how is it being collected, what is even being collected, and how do we turn that into a proactive strategy that informs business models and, um, you know, all aspects of our business because the data really is that powerful often. So can you break down for us how you get insights from the analytics that you pull as partners in this relationship and how that ends up driving things like cost savings? Connect those dots for us. All right. So I think, you know, some of the insight is obviously based on, you know, experience. And as, as we you know, run in certain verticals, you know, we, we have a good sense even for what may be, you know, underlying drivers for repairs. And I would say even the approach the service provider may take to solve certain situations. So I think that, you know, the data and the insights are really, really critical from a customer success perspective. Brian mentioned a few times throughout the conversation, you know, that we do maintain and have regular business reviews with our customers and performance and, and spend management is just one piece of that. They're really looking for us from a value perspective to bring that extra innovation, that extra solution, that extra um, benefit to the table. And by having the just massive amounts of data that we do have, um, it's pretty easy for us to go through and identify insights that can drive best practices. So we do, you know, we we do um, aggregate our data. We benchmark against our own data as well as the industry, and certainly, you know, at a at an aggregate level, as I've said a few times, so that there is no customer identifying information. But what that data tells us really allows us to bring creative solutions to customers and things that will really help them propel their business forward. So um, we use it extensively at that from an innovation perspective and a best practice perspective. But then again, at a more granular level, we can also use that data um, to help inform a repair replace strategy for our customers. So we manage our assets uh, at, at a part level. And if we can tell a client that you know, perhaps our data tells us that this particular asset we're spending a lot of money on, it's very um, new. And so there's something deeper going on here and we need to go in and figure out what it is. Perhaps it's a warranty, uh, not a warranty issue, but perhaps it's an issue with that particular model with the manufacturer. And we can actually help drive that type of a finding. On the other side, you know, we can show a customer very clearly that their asset base may be very old, perhaps, you know, coming up on 20 to 25 years for HVAC units, we're going to be telling them and helping them prepare for a pretty significant capital replacement cost in the coming budget cycles. So we really use this data in a variety of methods and means and internally and externally. And we have just substantial, significant information that we can access and, and provide from a solution perspective to our customers. And I think we add in our experience too. So as we get all this data, there's even some examples that as we look at the data, you know, leveraging what Nikki's already brought, brought us through, you know, certain things like grocery customers, we may see a lot of calls for clogged drains as an example. So that'll tell us, you know, they may need, they may need a proactive drain program where we're proactively clearing the drains by jetting them on a regular schedule, or they may need some operational guidance to say, Listen, you know, we can't be pushing meat products from the meat cutting room into the drains. You know, we may need to put baskets in or things like that to avoid repairs. So we leverage the experience as well from the team that we've talked about to also go in and say, we have, you may have a need for more of a preventative maintenance program or that repair replace mechanism that Nikki is citing too. So I'm sure you hear this at least occasionally, uh, maybe from clients that already have some significant amount of scale and are gathering this data themselves. They're already somewhat using it for strategies. It's it's being brought in. There's a data intake. There's data analysis and, and data action. Uh, and so maybe it's not super clear to an end user why bringing on a third party partner and having them handle the data would be any better than just the sort of uh, internal structures they've already built for themselves. So 
Are there any key ways that data gets uh, more robust or data insights get more robust with a third party partner like Vixo versus trying to manage it in house? Is there sort of a, a baseline uh, or is it a case by case? Uh, break that down for us. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's case by case. You know, certainly we've worked with customers that maintain very detailed asset repositories and have great analytics capabilities and can pull the information. Um, but I would say those are probably few, fewer and farther between than the ones that don't maintain anything. So um, if you look at it just from, you know, how a third party brings value to that equation and how Vixo brings the value, you know, we can actually go through, we can uh, tag all of their data which of course then, you know, translates or ties the service history to that asset. And then we, again, can do a lot of um, enhancing of the data. So as an example, uh, you know, perhaps their databases don't include the model or the serial number or other key pieces of information that our technicians can actually very readily get when they're out on site with a customer on a service call. So for us, where the value comes in is that we're already out there. Let us collect this for you. Let us scrub the data for you. Let us ensure that it's consistently updated with information from the manufacturers, from the service calls, and from everything else so that it's always real time and, and fresh. The other piece I would say outside of the asset data is that there's always a reconciliation effort with customers. But um, you often do find um, maybe blinders is the right word when it's maintained at a customer level. There are certain things that a customer is not looking at the same way that a third party provider like Vixo might be. And so we can often, again, bring insights to that data that they don't see because, you know, facilities may or may not be part of their core business. So definite value, um, but it is also absolutely a case by case basis. We, we don't push it in a scenario where it's clear that the customer has a handle on it. But again, I would say those are that's that's uh, fairly rare. Um, usually, we can bring a tremendous amount of value here to the customer by simply providing them something that they don't have today. You know, one of the things that we also bring is you know the the scalability of our analytics group. So you know, we we invest in analytics quite heavily, and uh, we're able to offer you know a standard set of reporting. We also, in a standard way, benchmark. As Nikki was mentioning, we can highlight what's happening out there in the industry in their vertical. So they're able to look at where their costs run or cost per call and use that benchmark to have the right discussions about next steps. But overall, you know, that's part of our business. So, you know, what differentiates us as a third party provider is the, the investment, the level of even the level of talent that we have available to provide the right uh, reporting to our customers. So that is a distinguishing mark for Vixo uh, in the marketplace. Last thing I want to do is take this data topic and ground it into one a very specific dynamic that I think most facilities managers will find familiar and just use this as uh, kind of our final grounding conversation to understand how Vixo provides value. So a lot of times uh, when we see some hardware that needs fixing, there's a major issue. Uh, there is a repair versus a replace mentality. We should, you know, invest in this piece of equipment. We should get under the hood, put new pieces in, make sure hardware operates and leave the machine. Or this isn't worth the investment. We need to just get a new model. It's time to invest in something new. And I think having a clear distinction between when to repair versus when to replace can save a lot of money. It can avoid uh, a lot of extra maintenance, uh, or it can encourage more preventative maintenance versus just reactive maintenance. So that balance is important, but just kind of having an esoteric balance of just, oh, well, occasionally I repair, occasionally I replace, isn't really grounded in anything material. And I think data, again, provides a lot of value here and can inform those decisions better for your clients. So as an example, can you break down for us how data gets put to work in that kind of dynamic for facilities operators? Uh, and how have you seen data make that dynamic more healthy and more sustainable? Yeah, so we live and breathe this example uh, every day. So, you know, as Nikki mentioned, you know, we're definitely out there asset tagging and recording the, 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 the age, the life, the, the condition assessment of the equipment, tracking the repairs by the equipment. All that rolls up into a pretty nice package of data. And then we augment it with a nice repair replace type criteria 
that we build with the client. So we build it with their capitalization strategy, et cetera. But when we're, when we're doing our uh, repairs and we come across a, let's call it a significant repair cost, we then take that data that's all rolled up and we say, okay, here's an HVAC unit that's, you know, 17 years old. And let's talk about a few things in addition to that asset and what we spent to repair it. You know, what does the rest of the roof look like as an example? Are they all 17 years old? Do we have a high rate of repair there? How many years are left on the lease for the building? Because if you have five years left on a lease, Daniel, you're more likely to invest and repair that unit. And you may even replace all the units on the roof since we're in that place to consider avoiding using capital to avoid future repairs. So all that rolls up into recommendations that are strategic to our customers. So it's short-sighted. It looks at that repair for that unit. It expands to what can the rooftop look like. It also expands into capital planning for next year. So as our customer sets a capital budget for for replacement, uh, strategic replacement of their units on their store locations. All good, great examples of where data helps them to plan their business and not only plan uh, for uptime and customer comfort, but how to how to maximize their re- repair spend dollar by introducing capital where they can. Yeah, what, what Brian just described really is the crux of our value to the customer from a customer success perspective. You know, our overarching goal here is to make sure that they meet their business objectives and their business plans. And so by taking that data and applying it to the customer situation and really being a part of that budget planning and that capital planning process, and in many cases, even their long-range outlook planning, um, we become a true partner and we really do help them realize those business objectives. So very, very important piece of the value proposition. And as Brian mentioned, this is what we live and breathe and do every day. And I think on that note, that does it for our conversation today on Get Your Fix. So thank you so much to both of you, Nikki Boone and Brian Hartnett, for sharing your thoughts on how Vixo, again, lives and breathes this value proposition that it gives to its customers. You know, there's uh, only so much talk that you can talk before the clients want to see you walk the walk. And I think what we've done today is really break down how Vixo walks that walk and how you strategize at a really high level and also at a really granular level, executing on things like flexibility, scalability, cost transparency, the quality of your work, measuring that quality and having extensive data to pull from and make actionable insights on. So thank you again to our two guests, Nikki Boone, Vice President of Customer Success with Vixo and Brian Hartnett, SVP of Service Center Operations also with Vixo. Uh, Nikki, Brian, if folks want to find out more about Vixo's value proposition, what Vixo can provide to its clients, maybe they want to get in touch, how can they do so? Definitely go to www.vixo.com. Easy enough. I love it. All right, Nikki, Brian, thank you again to both of you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're heading to our website, vixo.com. Again, vixo, V-I-X-X-O dot com. And subscribe to Get Your Fix on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.